You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up and welcome into a special Sunday edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. He's Jake Lisko. I'm James Erpine. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. Jake, we have a ton to get to today from Joe Burrow, the recruiter, to Kenny Galladay. Well, he's he's headed to New York and uh, where the Bengals go from here. But the biggest signing in free agency, and it's not the biggest money signing, but the one that got certainly the most buzz in Cincinnati was the one that protects Joe Burrow, Riley Reef, And we'll get to that. A quick reminder to subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And we have a lot of new listeners over the past week. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. We're the only daily Bengals podcast out there. And Jake, let's uh, let's dive into this Riley Reef deal because you're one of the first ones to point out how interesting the structure is. There was some back and forth about it, multiple reports about it. But you think that this could bode well for the Bengals' future activity in free agency? I think you you don't structure a deal the way the Bengals structured Riley Reef's deal if you intend to roll over cap space. And here's what I mean by that. I actually made a whole video about it on YouTube. I never make YouTube videos, James. There's a whole <laughs> there's a whole video on YouTube. I even fleeted it. And I've fleeted maybe one thing in my life, and it's this video. Because people were interested in understanding how some of this cap stuff works is something that I've really thrown myself into in the last year to, to get a better understanding of because it really helps you understand what the team is doing and, and what they intend to do in the future. So talking about Riley Reef's deal, the way they've structured this deal is they've used a void year. When we talked to Jeff Hobson, which is a very popular episode despite how much you guys like to complain about what Jeff had to say. <laughs> Jeff reminded us that the Bengals haven't used void years in a deal since Dan Wilkinson. I think Kajana Carter might have had some too. I mean, long, long time ago. Different CBA, different era. Riley Reef got a void year on his deal. What does a void year mean? A void year is a fake year on contracts that allows teams to take signing bonus money, which is prorated from a cap perspective over the life of a player's deal, and put it in a future year. There are some deals that you'll see that have multiple void years. Levante David, J.J. Watt, even Kenny Galladay's deal in New York has a void year. And the reason that teams use that is because they're tight to the cap in the current year and want to free up cap space in the current year. So the Bengals took Riley Reese $5.5 million signing bonus, which is all paid out at the same time. No difference to cash flow for the player. And they said, we only want half of this to hit the cap in 2020. By using a void year, that allows half of that cap hit, $2.75 million, to hit the cap in 2022. That is a dead cap hit effectively because a player isn't on the team, but you have a cap expense for the player. There's no extra money going to Riley Reef next year. There's no cash at all. It's just a cap hit. So think about that for a second. Why would you roll over money 
if if you're just putting that cap hit in the next year this is kind of another way of doing rollover it's taking money off of this year's cap and putting it on next year's cap if the Bengals intended to roll over five million dollars of cap space say then in doing so you, you just immediately get that eaten by this dead cap hit you've put in your future year with Riley Reef. So so what does that tell us? Common sense, right? If if rolling over money is going to be immediately eaten by this void year dead cap hit, James, what do you think that means the Bengals are going to do? It certainly means to me that they one, they probably have and we talked about it before we started recording. It seems like they're trying to take the weekend off. And as I say that, they'll probably do something right at three o'clock on Sunday. But uh, if to me, they have the wheels turning on other deals. And the other thing, as you were describing that, Jake, that I do wonder, they released Geno Atkins on Friday. I wonder if they're going to do a post June one release to free up another couple of million dollars in cap space. It basically a sa- same thing with the void year pushes it to 2022 and is a 2022 cap of a couple million bucks, but it would free up money for 2021 in hopes of maybe they do go after, you know, another lineman or two on both sides. And you could certainly make the argument for that. And we'll get into to players and targets coming up, but it does to me signal, Hey, we're going to be in the market here for someone else. And, and but here's the other thing though, Jake, and I do wonder this, at the time they constructed the reef deal, they were still in the Kenny Galladay sweepstakes. And so I wonder if they were like, hey, just in case, let's do it this way so we get reef locked up. And maybe we do end up getting Galladay on a one-year deal. I, I wonder if that had something to do with it. But now that they haven't, they certainly can apply those resources elsewhere and hopefully maximize their cap space and do whatever they can to upgrade the roster over the next week or two. And as you were saying that, James, I put out a tweet as we're recording this to to see if any of our very smart followers could solve the mystery of whether or not Gino was a post-June 1 designated cut or not. John Baines, another very, very good Bengals cap guy, by the way, right up there with Andre Perota for, for everybody that's heard me talk about Andre's work around the cap in the last couple of weeks. John Baines tweeted me with a picture and it's pretty unambiguous. Gino was released with the potential injury benefit, which is only out there for the benefit of the player. If Gino cannot play this year, he can claim, I think, up to $2 million from this injury benefit. So just giving Gino a little bit of flexibility there in case he's got a linger, lingering injury or anything like that. But I think that probably ends our speculation there. I think that it was just a straight up cut. And. The other interesting point, James, that you made is about the Kenny Galladay thing. What would they be saving that money for if Kenny Galladay fell through? I would hope that they had a better idea of what was going on with his contract negotiation in New York than the rest of us did, although that really started to seem like it was trending very strongly in New York's direction sometime early Saturday, late Friday. So I would hope that this isn't just a move they're making that is kind of six, one half dozen, the other, like if they roll over the money and, and they put that cap hit in this year, they're rolling over the same amount of money as if they put the dead cap hit out next year. So there's a chance that it doesn't mean they're going to just spend all their cap and they're going to roll over money the way they normally do. But I'm hoping this is a sign that they're going to use this cap space that they've made available to themselves this year, anticipating a big cap bounce back next year and a bigger cap bounce in future years 
when the TV money hits. But what are the Bengals going to do with all that money, James? We'll talk about where they go from here coming up next. It's March Madness time. We're deep into March at this point, and Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all this crazy March Madness action. Seeds all the way to 15 1 in the first round. And I know the Ohio State fans listening to this right now are cringing as I say that. But if you know who that glass slipper fits on and who this year's Cinderella will be, go clean up for your broken bracket and make the right bets at betonline.ag. They've got NBA and NHL betting too. They've got NFL futures. They've got NFL draft prop bets. So they're still covered for you from the NFL perspective. But everybody's watching March Madness right now. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They've got news and scores too. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. And not only is it free to sign up, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on on betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. James, the big question on everybody's mind whenever I talk about anything related to the cap, the, the question that I get on Twitter is, what are they going to do next? They've got this money. They've got this cap space. They've structured a couple of their deals to minimize the year one cap hit. And that's Riley Reese deal and Chidobe. Awuzie's deal, those two deals have been structured to minimize the year one cap hit, which means after the Geno Atkins and Bobby Hart release and the Ryan Finley trade, the Bengals are somewhere around $24 million in cap space. That's before counting Mike Thomas's deal and before counting Tony Brown's deal. And after offsets, those two deals would only add somewhere in the neighborhood of $500,000 to $1 million in cap restriction on this year's cap. So either way, the Bengals are between 22 and $24 million in cap space. And that's a lot of money considering that rookies probably only eat up 5 million of those dollars. And we're expecting them to get up pretty close to the cap this year. That means that there's some work left for them to do. We've been talking about guard. We've been talking about staying in the trenches with a a depth rotational edge piece, maybe another three tech to go play with new Cincinnati Bengal Larry Ogunjobi. A lot of Bengals fans still want a wide receiver now that they're all excited for Kenny Galladay. Where are you going next, James? All of those areas. Because you're right. There's there's value to be had now. And now that the Galladay sweepstakes is over, there are no Tier 1 free agents. And you're getting into the Tier 2, Tier 3, and Tier 4 guys. And you're going to start to see more value, more one-year two and a half here, one year, three and a half here. And that's why doing what you did with Reef is great because you're, it allows you essentially one more, at least one more one year guy at a decent salary. And so I'm open to all of these guys. I, I look at, let's start with wide receiver. Cause you're right. I think fans do have wide receiver on their mind. Sammy Watkins and Josh Reynolds, both were with Zach Taylor in Los Angeles. He was the assistant wide receivers coach in 2017. Watkins was on the roster. Reynolds the following year. So those are two guys to keep an eye on. And I, it's crazy. I was looking up Watkins, and I get it. He's been injured a ton. He's going to be 28 this summer. Like he's still, he's still a young pup, and I, I think he could make a difference. You know, he's he's a higher end talent, 
And a guy that when you think back to that Chiefs Super Bowl run when they won was a difference maker throughout those playoffs. So if he's your third or fourth wide receiver, you feel pretty good about it. So that's a guy I would target. And, and then edge. That, that's the other thing. It, we'll get to the offensive line. I think that's obviously the top of everybody's mind. But edge. There are some edges out there that maybe you could steal. Justin Houston just lingering out there. Maybe a one-year deal for the veteran. Alden Smith. Melvin Ingram's a guy I would have loved. But he's he's visiting Kansas City this week. And if he's looking in the one-year range, why not go to Kansas City? So so that's a, another interesting name. But as far as offensive line, I think the focus is obviously on the interior. Trey Turner is someone that a lot of people have talked about. Larry Warford. I carried the baton for Warford last offseason. Now it seems like you you have, and I get it. I think he's a good value. I think he's certainly someone that would be an upgrade at right guard. Those are the two to me, Turner and, and Warford. If you get them, they're instantly plug-and-play right guards. And you feel good about that person, whoever it is, Warford or Turner, along with Reef. So hopefully they can get it done with one of those other uh, one of those guys. And then two Austins that stand out, Austin Blythe and, and Austin Ryder. Uh, Ryder's a center, but maybe they look at one of those guys as, as a depth piece. Those aren't starters, but depth pieces. Maybe a Ryder is actually, I guess, considering the injury to, to Hopkins. But plenty of options out there. And obviously Quentin Spain's a, a fan favorite as well. Yeah, there, there are a lot of fans that really think Quentin Spain can go out there and be a, be a starter. And based on what we saw last year, I currently see him as as a depth guy to bring back who, you know, you're not going to hate it if he's out there starting for you uh, a couple games. But I wouldn't want him to necessarily be the, the primary option. I think Sammy Watkins is a really interesting name, James. He's very divisive. A lot of people remember him for, you know, his fantasy football uh, application or, or, or lack thereof, you <laughs> yeah. know, he, he is very prone to having big, huge pop-off games and then disappearing for stretches of time. The, the reason that Sammy Watkins would fit is because he's very, very good underneath. He's very, very good in the intermediate part of the field. He had zero targets from Patrick Mahomes in 2020 that were targeted 20 plus yards downfield. How surprised are you to hear that? It is surprising. And I, I wonder how much of that is he was dinged up and playing hurt through, I, I feel like, a decent amount of the year. And the other thing here is, is Kansas City had the field stretchers. They had Demarcus Robinson, who's another free agent that I think could add a little bit. Obviously, Tyreek Hill was there. And um, I'm, I'm forgetting the the one, oh, McCole Hartman from Georgia, you know, so they had three field stretchers and they use Sammy Watkins in that eater intermediate route, uh, combinations. But to me, if you look at him and you look at Boyd and you look at Higgins, if you sign Watkins and you're going to address it in the draft, but he might be your best downfield threat. He really might be. I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. It might be Higgins, but it's one of those two. And you you probably would address it in the draft, but that's a guy. If I can get a high end talent and a low end, low risk contract, I'm uh, I'm all about it. Here's why he's probably your deep threat, James. You go back just one year, 2019. He had a 99 grade on passes targeted 20 plus yards down the field, and that's on 15 targets. He caught eight of them for 291 yards and two touchdowns. So he was really good in all parts of the field. If you go back to 2019, had a generally very solid year around 900 yards, only four touchdowns. But I, I think that, you know, y you take that. 
is, is all I'm saying. So Sammy Watkins is a really interesting name. High end athleticism, obviously, if, if they do want to stay at wide receiver and, and go for a little bit more speed, a little bit more dynamism, maybe he's not as consistent as, as you know, the, the lower end out there. But you're going to get some splash plays if Sammy Watkins mm-hmm. is healthy. But I think that's a big question for him is health. He's he's definitely dealt with injuries and inconsistency throughout his career. So I, I think that's fair to say for Watkins. Did you talk about Sheldon Rankins? Have we talked about him yet? I haven't, but there's a common theme, and I know you're going to talk about him. All these guys, Turner, question mark, Sammy Watkins, question mark, Larry Warford, question mark. That That's the 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 price you pay for getting the bargains. So a lot of the guys we'll talk about, and this is just a disclaimer for everybody, they're going to have some flaws. The, the good news is you're hoping to not have to just bank on them to, to carry you. You just want them to be upgrades and, and potential pieces of the puzzle, not the puzzle. So Sheldon Rankin certainly applies and falls under that umbrella. Yeah, at this point, especially on defense, you're looking for rotational pieces, pieces that can do things for you in specific situations. And Sheldon Rankins is a perfect fit for that. I mean, he would be very much built like Geno, 6'2", short for defensive tackle, 305 pounds, relatively light for defensive tackle. He was the Saints' 12th overall selection in 2016. Again, he's dealt with injuries the last couple of years. But when he has been on the field and he's been healthy, he's largely been an above-average player. Like you said, James, at this point in free agency, you're not getting perfect players. If Sheldon Rankins had never been injured and and had been more consistent, or if Sammy Watkins had been more consistent, these guys wouldn't be in the conversation right now. That 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 is what it is at this point in free agency. The the tier one guys are gone, except Richard Sherman. Not that the Bengals are signing Richard Sherman. But technically, he is still out there, and and he would be a tier one had he made our list. He didn't make our list because we could not imagine him playing for the Bengals. But the point is, I think that we're making here, James, a guard or two, a defensive lineman or two, and and maybe a wide receiver. And Mm -hmm. and that kind of is where we're looking for them to go from here. It would be great. I mean, so think about this. Think about a scenario, and I think it is semi-realistic where you add – a Josh Reynolds, I'll throw him in there, even though I don't think he's a deep threat at all. And I've talked about that. That doesn't mean he's not a good player, by the way. I don't mean I'm down on him. He's a fine fourth wide receiver. Sammy Watkins is in there. Even a Demarcus Robinson, right? Or, you know, one of these guys, these lower end wide receivers that could add a little speed to your offense, plus a Rankins, plus, a, you know, a Mike Daniels or someone like that, along with Rankins, you know, I, which I think is possible bringing back some of these guys. Daniels falls under the Quentin Spain umbrella where you bring him in as a rotational depth piece that if you need to rely on them here or there, you you can do that. And they were on the team last year, but the Alden Smiths of the world, someone like that, just uh, one edge, one defensive tackle, at least uh, a wide receiver. And then a guard, at least one guard. And and I'm talking about guys that could play significant. Like, like the guard you sign is probably going to start unless you address it in, in, in the draft or you take Sewell if he's there and then you kick, in reef uh, to the inside and which we don't know yet. And you can't bank on that. So these guys are, you know, one to two starters potentially, but mostly like you said, rotational pieces that are going to play in certain situations, even Sammy Watkins rotational piece. He's not going to necessarily start for the Bengals, but if, if they need a, a deep threat, they'll put him out there. And, uh, and even if they take a chase or a Jalen Waddle or whoever, he still fits and can still contribute 
in a in a lesser wide receiver three, wide receiver four, more likely wide receiver four role if you take one of those guys. Just a couple other names at wide receiver that that might be worth keeping an eye on. Speed guys known for their downfield ability. Chris Conley from the Jaguars, Damier Bird from the Patriots, yep. Kenny Stills from the Texans. Just a couple of those guys that are a little bit further down our list that we haven't talked about for a while. We've been telling you about Built Bar for months, years. It is the best protein bar on the planet. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing taste. Every single one of their bars covered in 100% chocolate. And right now is the best time to go to BuiltBar.com because not only do you get amazing tasting protein bars, but you can vote in Built Bar Madness. Every single matchup posted daily as we see the, the bracket start to shrink as the top tasting protein bar is that much closer to being crowned. So go there right now, builtbar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. One common theme, Jake, on Friday when the Bengals had like the, the most crazy Friday maybe in franchise history. I mean, they announced all these signings. There were eight press conferences. There was a ton of news. I'm, I'm still not sure. It's Sunday afternoon here in Cincinnati. I'm not sure. I've digested it all yet. But the the overriding theme in the biggest theme and something all of these guys talked about was Joe Burrow. One guy said he has an aura about him. I think that was Mike Hilton. You, you know, there was described as a straight killer by Larry Ogunjobi. And Ogunjobi saw that firsthand in two games against Burrow because Burrow's best two games came against Cleveland last season. And, and obviously Ogunjobi was a Brown then. But to me, the theme of Burrow, the recruiter, the guy that is attracting these veterans, whether it's a multi-year deal or a one-year deal, it's clear. It's very real. And it's not just Bengals players that have been around him. It's not just us in Cincinnati. There are people taking notice across the league of what Burrow brings. And they're coming here to play with a guy that's still recovering from a torn ACL. That tells me that there's a lot of confidence in his recovery. There's a lot of confidence in his personality and that we shouldn't necessarily be worried about Joe Burrow this year. I think that we will be worried about Joe Burrow because he's a quarterback coming off an ACL injury. And that is just a, a scary fact, but it's, it's a great sign for Bengals fans that they've got a guy who commands that kind of respect around the league. And, you know, my, my favorite part about this maybe is that Riley Reef called him a Cincinnati guy saying that he's kind of emblematic of those blue collar Midwest player vibes. He's a hard worker. He's business. He, he's got that confidence. And we hear that over and over and over. And it's just really nice, I think, for Bengals fans to just know that that's the quarterback of the team. And the thing with the Reef deal, I'm sure he had plenty of one-year possibilities elsewhere. Like, this isn't a guy that was just going to get the Bengals and he's clinging on uh, to his career here. No. He, I mean, he played pretty well last year. I'm sure he had plenty of options. And it wasn't just the steak that tasted great. He clearly felt, and, and you got to think again about the Bengals' reputation nationally. As much as fans push back on it, there is a reputation that they're trying to overcome and, and reestablish and reset. And the fact that Burrow appears to be helping that is a really, really good sign for the future. 
It's also been a lot of fun to see how the fan base has come together on Twitter with some of these hashtags. I think some of them are maybe a step too far. People are trying to come up with hashtags for Josh Reynolds, which is great. I mean, let's make the guy feel appreciated. <laughs> oh, God. But but not everybody needs a hashtag, right? I mean, Kenny Galladay was a big deal. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, it, it was it was fun to see, you know, when Malik Wright tweeted on, what was it, Friday? I think Friday night that the Bengals have been in contact with Trey Turner. I quote tweeted him and said, we are the front office now. And it's, you know, the, the gif of the, the captain Phillips. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Like, that's fun, you know. And I think that it's it's cool that, you know, you're seeing the Great Barrier Reef thing from the team account and they're engaging with social media that way. And uh, I think it's been a lot of fun for fans. And, and hey, it, it's reflected in you guys listening to us. Like James said at the top of the show, we've grown quite a bit in, in unique, I think, new listeners in the last week. So welcome. I'm glad you guys are here. We try to be really in tune with that Bengals fan, fan base just the way that the team is trying to get in tune with that fan base. And, you know, it, it, I think it's a lot of fun for fans right now, James. It's a ton of fun. And that's why we're excited to release this on a Sunday afternoon. We get it. You want Bengals content? We got you covered. And speaking of that, if any news happens, Jake, guess what? How many extra podcasts did we do? I know on the, the first day of the tampering period, we did two extras. At least three or four extras. Plus, we're the only daily Bengals podcast out there. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thank you for all the kind words. We see those tweets. We love every single one, even if we haven't replied or favorited them all. We uh, we love the interaction. And, uh, man, this is a lot of fun. So make sure you keep it locked right here on Locked on Bengals. And we will talk to you the next time there's breaking news. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast.